We're going to have a time of prayer. I, we might want to scoot that uh, till a little bit later in the service. But I want us to see that we want to lift that up. And what I'm going to do, ask you to do when we're done here, we're going to stand and pray. Some of you may want to come and, and kneel right in front of here. Some of you may want to stand and pray uh, alone by yourself. Some will want to grab someone's hand uh, and, and or walk over. And let's just recognize that as the church prays, God listens, yes? It doesn't always have to be one person. We come together to ask for God's spirit to do his work in our lives, yes? And we want to see that happen. It doesn't need to just be some kind of liturgical things going on and then the pastor does this, reads this. We want to see God do his work in our midst. And so I'm going to call the church to prayer individually, together, in front of here, on your knees, standing up, lifting hands, folding hands, however you feel comfortable praying. But this becomes a significant point. The same way, if you've seen the bulletin, I want to lift up high that we, we, uh, we think of our offer, our sacrifice, not as something that we need because we have bills to pay. That is an expression of our worship of God. I've said to many places many times, if the things that don't touch your wallet, wallet doesn't touch much. Yes? It's just how it is. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to say crude in any way. I just want us to see that. And, and if you notice the worship service also that we have read from different sections of Scripture, actually from all five sections of Scripture, will be lifted up here, right? There'll be some from historical books of the Old Testament, some from the prophets, some from the Psalms, some from the Gospels, and some from the epistolary texts that we cover God's word here, all to express that we recognize that we are all on the platform. There is only one who is in the audience, yes? And that is Jesus Christ. So with that said, uh, later on, I'm going to ask the ushers uh, to come and, and do. But right now, I just want to kind of lift this up as a part of, of, um, of our worship service, right? The giving of the Lord's tithe. And, and John puts it like this. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And actually, if you want to translate that literally, probably in the best way to do that is to say grace piled upon grace, uh, which is what we express. And we want to kind of uh, express that. So, Father, we ask as we bring ourselves to you, we bring what we have to you as we come to you to hear your voice and to have you uh, call us out to your world in witness and in action. Would you receive us and fill us with that grace? that comes from knowing that we belong to you. Amen. Amen. Now, in, in, uh, in the gospel, I mean, in the letter Paul wrote to the church in Colossae in chapter 2, I want us to uh, read uh, just a few verses that, that may seem somewhat technical to some of you at first, but I think they speak with deep truth. Last Sunday... We talked about, you know, faith and focus and the meaning of life. And we talked about how that came about. Today, I want to talk to us about the same, more or less, but on, on the content of that rather than the process. So Paul uh, says it like this in chapter 2 of Colossians. He said, be careful, 
that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than on Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive. When he, uh, with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us uh, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. I think if I talk about being full, most of us know what that means. It's not a positive thing if I say to you, you're, you're full of it. <laughs> it's just not good, is it? You know, there's a lot of people that are full of themselves. You know, they are, they're bragging. They're, they're always trying to kind of sell you something you don't want or tell you something to do you don't want. And, and you go, you're so full of it. But there's something about that word fullness still that, that speaks also in positive ways that we have an intuitive kind of sense of what that is. Uh, you know, you can be full of insight. You can be full of joy. You can be full of generosity. You can be full, even when it's painful, of grief and of sorrow, we kind of have a sense what it means to be full of something, and we, we recognize it all the time. For example, if you just went to the movies and you saw one of the greatest movies you ever saw, you're going to tell everybody about it, yes? I mean, you're going to tell everybody you meet they can't get out of it. You're going to talk to them about it. Or if you went on this amazing vacation Right? You've got to tell them. I know you will because I've seen you post on it on Facebook. Yes? <laughs> you, you do. Or, or this meal that you have. Whatever experience it is, Jesus puts it this way. Right? What your heart is full out, your mouth speaks. That's just a statement of reality. And it is such a strong statement when Jesus says it. Because he puts it right there. Some of you are going to pull out goodness. Some of you are going to pull out evil. Whatever your heart is full of, your mouth will speak. This is so strong, if you turn it around, you can say, if you're not quite sure what your heart is full of, just listen to yourself. That's how strong that is. We intuitively know what that means. And it's, it's almost like, like you, you, know, you, you, you see that in, in other ways also. For example, you go on a certain uh, like congress or, or conference, because you need to learn some more, right? To get filled back up, yes? Or, or you, we use the word recreation, right? We could say recreation. We're going to be restored back to new life. 
That's kind of how that works. We are, we are recharged. Are we getting this? There's an intuitive understanding of what it means to be filled with something and we don't really, it's liquid language, really, when you think about it, right? It's filling and emptying. It is not an either or, I'm either full or empty. It's like a more or less kind of thing. And that's how it can be also in our walk with God. I want you to not miss this in any kind of way, right? You, yeah, I hear people sometimes, I'm saying, how's it going? Oh, I'm running on empty, right? Uh, or I'm, I'm overflowing. Again, this, this liquid kind of language. And Paul uses that strong thing and speak directly to people about being filled with Christ. That's what that is about here. Right here when you look at it. You know, when you uh, notice where we began in verse 8, he's talking to these Colossians that, that about the culture they knew, the life that they had known always, uh, all this wisdom that they knew, or the kind of good ideas that were spoken, and, and what they've always, what mama told them. That's the reality of it, right, with some of that. And, and then he says, but don't you know, you have been filled with Christ. He's what should overflow. Not all these other things. Christ is not an add-on. That's the whole point of this letter. Christ is not an add-on that you have your life like you always would anyway, but you add a little element of Christ to it. No, he says, this is a complete filling with Christ. So you need to begin to think differently, look at life differently, experience things differently, conclude differently. That's where we are with this. And notice what it is he's doing here. He's almost like he's saying that, you know, you have these wells where you pull up water, but they are all filled with water that is polluted. They're not clean water. But you should come to Christ who gives you the living water, the clean water, the pure water. Peter picks up the exact same thing in his first letter when he says, like infant children, you should crave undiluted, unpolluted milk. Why? He says, in order that you may grow up. In other words, so that you can become mature in your walk. With Christ. And Paul connects right here. Be filled with Christ. No GMOs, right? No genetically alterated kind of foods, but the real stuff and that alone. No additives. That's where he's going with this. And so it's a strange thing when you look at it. You know, we're 2023 Louisville, Texas, yes? What do we know about these things that he's talking about? Circumcision, how that worked in society. You know, why is he going there? He's going there directly and he's highlighting what he's talking about is a spiritual circumcision. How does this whole work, this whole thing about fullness work? He says, this is how it works. The circumcision is the very sign of God's covenant with his people. The kind of 
community that he has built that all lives inside of that covenant relationship. Now, there was in the old Jewish world, of course, the, the physical kind of bodily alteration for that, but it was there only as an example of a spiritual reality. Don't miss that. And, and what happened, of course, was that, that as time went by, the spiritual significant kind of evaporated and disappeared. And so it became only the external form that mattered. And you may be in your head, I don't know where you are in your head when I say these things. But how easy is that not for us? That the external form becomes more important than the actual spiritual content. Yes. We like it this way. Why? Because that's how we do it. And our formality and this is how we do it has just swallowed up what should be the real content. Don't miss this, friends. It is so easy to get there that we can be more interested in doing things a certain way than interested in asking why are we doing it and what is the effect of doing it. The question that we always need to ask or the way we always need to think is this. How does it grow people to a closer walk with Christ? Yes? That's what matters. And if you think there's only one way, your way, you need to get out a little bit more. Because people communicate and they hear things in different ways. Yes? And if we're not attaining that, if what we do and what we see is not accomplishing that in our home, in our private life, or in our church, we have to ask the questions. And there are some people that think, well, in the Old Testament, they had physical kind of circumstance. In the New Testament, they had spiritual. That's not true. God speaks in, in, the, in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy from the beginning. It's always been about the spiritual significance. He says here, for example, in chapter 30, he says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and, your, and the heart of your descendants, and you will love him with all your heart. So Why? So that you will love him with all your heart. Yes, that's the point. The sign of him being there. Let's not miss these important things. The New Testament, of course, warns again against the circumcision that is only external, only done with hands. And, and so we see that here as well. But Paul picks it up in a strong way in another letter. And I just want to dwell on this again for a little bit because this whole language of circumcision, we can relegate that to kind of categories where we think, well, that's just the ancient stuff. We don't need to deal with that. But that's not the point. What, what the Bible says here, circumcision means you cover and to, get, to cut away that which covers, that which covers for God and that which covers for yourself. That's the spiritual kind of circumcision that he is talking about. What covers for God? Your pride. Your sin. Sin separates you from God, right? Our, our own kind of self-sufficiency. That's the things that separate it. Even sometimes the form that are taken over instead of genuine worship in spirit and in truth. We just worship it in the way that we know. Form has taken over. 
and it covers for God. We don't see him as powerful as he is. And, and then the other things, it covers for yourself, right? That needs to be cut away. The things that you hold on to that, that, that enables you to hide from the world and from yourself in a way, right? These are my habits. This is how I do. And, and it may even be that you hide yourself in various kinds of complexes, whether you say, I'm, I have an inferiority complex or superiority complex or, or whatever it might be. That needs to be covered away. And so Paul says, those who come to God, those who turn to God, the veil will be removed. Don't miss this. When you come to God, he's going to remove that veil, take away, cut away that which cover for him and covers for you. And so he moves straight on, Paul, to talk about baptism. And, and it is just like in the Old Testament uh, and it was the ancient Jewish people, the, the, the circumcision towered over them as a sign from God. So in the Christian church, baptism towers over the church as a sign from God. But we know that too can be just form, can it not? Yes. can be empty of its content. It is a sign given from God. But the actual meaning of that word to baptize means to be submerged. That's the literal type meaning. But the spiritual meaning, if you will, of that word is to be identified with. We're hearing this. It's immersed, if you will, in who Christ is. That's also why Paul, when there's conflicts in the church in first uh, letter of Corinthians, the first chapter, you can read it when you come home. If you don't have it, just kind of look through when you're done with the gospel. You get to Romans and then come first Corinthians chapter one, about verse 13. Read about that. Paul gets frustrated. In the end, he says, someone want to follow Peter, someone want to follow Paul, someone want to follow someone else. But you are not baptized unto me. You are baptized unto Christ. Yes, that's the point. Because there, in that is an identification that is very real. It is not the water that does it. That's just a necessary sign. But it is that spiritual moment of the baptism of the Spirit and God's presence. That's also why when we baptize, we always do so on the basis of a personal confession of faith that Jesus is Lord and I want to follow him with all of my life. You know, don't miss it when we say that, that we are buried with Christ and raised again to walk in a whole new life. That's not just kind of liturgical language. That's actual power, being filled with Christ. I sure hope I'm not talking just theory and you just hear this as some kind of theological lecture. I hope you see that this is the point, right, that, that we experience God's powerful presence when he says you have been filled with Christ. It is a reminder, don't let all these other things fill your life. Let Christ fill your life. Soren Kierkegaard. <clears throat> 
Some of you have heard of him. Most of you probably have, right? Philosopher lived about 200 years ago in one of the greatest countries on the earth, right? None of you have guessed he's the Danish philosopher, right? Yes. Anyway, he has this great illustration of faith. And he said, it's like, like this guy come running up a hill and, and the fire is right behind him. And he runs and here's a cliff. And he can't run any further. And the fire is coming on. He's feeling the heat. And then he hears a voice from down there. He said, just jump. And the man says, I, I, I can't see you. All I see is darkness. And the one from down there says, but I see you just jump. That's what being full of Christ will do. It will challenge you to trust his being there. Yes? Don't, don't miss this. It is such a powerful, powerful thing. Identification is the point. We are created in the image of God. You remember the story when someone came to Jesus and said, is it right for us to, to pay taxes? And he said, give me a coin. And he said, well, whose picture is on the coin? They say Caesar. Well, they give that to Caesar. And then give to God what is God. Well, we, whose image is on them? On us. Give yourself to God. That speaks, friends to freedom. And I want you to just take a step deeper with me on this point. Freedom is always better than gold. Lots of songs will carry that theme as well. Real freedom, genuine freedom carries four elements that both theologians and psychologists will, will agree upon. There are many more, but those four that certainly they'll agree about. The first one, people who are free are people who have come to grips with their past. They've found a way of understanding who they are now, regardless of the past. Are you hearing me? That's the point here, right? They have found a way of coming to grips. People who are free, number two, have experienced forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, even from themselves, that they don't walk around in condemnation. Because they didn't quite do this, they shouldn't have done that, and all that kind of stuff. They are set free. People who are, are free are people who have broken loose from uh, the power of habits and addiction. That you're now free to say no when these things are pulling you in a certain direction. You're speaking, you're here to these, these folks and to us, right? And, and, and people who are free, number four, are people who become un, independent or, or unreliant upon the affirmation and the approval of other people. Those are the four things. When they are set, you, when you set free in that way, you are free to love and to forgive and to embrace in ways that can only be known through Christ. That's Paul's point right here. That's why it's so painful for him when he looks at a church like that in Asia Minor 
And he says, you've been filled with Christ. How come you're still following these other things? You're still living as if you lived in the world normally. Not that they're necessarily doing all kind of immoral things, but they're guided by a different kind of spirit than God's spirit. And so we have to admit, don't we, that it's all too easy, way too easy for us to affirm the cross of Christ to hear the gospel, to sing about it, to to pray for his guidance, to believe in his resurrection and still live as if we are not genuinely set free by God's spirit. Allow me to read another little thing from from Soren Kierkegaard. He has this great, great parable. I'm just going to read it to you. There was a little town of ducks. Every Sunday, the ducks waddled out of their houses and waddled down to Main Street to their church. They waddled into the sanctuary and squat in their proper pews. The duck choir waddles in and takes its place. Then the duck minister comes forward and opens the duck Bible. Because duck, like every other creature on earth, has their own Bible. He reads to them, ducks, he says, God has given you wings and with wings you can fly, with wings you can mount up and soar like the eagles. No walls can confine you, no fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks shouted, amen. (laughs) And then they all waddled home. Yeah. What we need, what we need is to experience the dynamic power, is it not, of the cross that will liberate liberate us from all the stuff that hold us in patterns that are not expressing the fullness of Christ. That's what this is about. This early church had been held captive even by false teachers. You'll see that if you read through the whole thing. Who had made them unsure of whether they needed to let go of what they had known before Christ. And so Paul communicates to them about this. And notice then how, and I'm going to end here, how, how this is turning into this amazing, kind of almost like a, like a fireworks of imagery right here at the end. Look at that. That he has made you alive. That's the point. You were dead in your trespasses. In other words, the way you used to live, you no longer objected to it. You no longer worked on it. You're just dead. You know, dead people don't fight. Yes? And that's it. You just come to grips. That's what that phrase is. You have died. You you were dead in your trespasses. No objection to it anymore in your spirit or in your heart or in your, your actions. But, he says, what? You were made alive. He made you alive. Yes? 
What more did he do? He forgave you. He found you and changed you. If that's not the gospel, I don't know what is. That is exactly the gospel, friends. And then it comes. After that clear imagery, he gives this most wonderful picture that I almost know from all of Scripture. He says that he forgave or he erased the certificate of debt. I wish we had better ways of translating the Bible without just expanding and explaining. But we are lacking some of these great words that are there in the Greek, right? The language here really speaks to him lifting off the ink from the papyrus, right? That means that there was before there was any kind of acid in the ink. So once the ink is lifted up, you can't see what's ever there. Some of you are old enough to remember when we had computers that didn't have batteries, yes? And didn't have autosave. I've done that, yeah? I was writing on my dissertation, pages on pages, you know, and every five minutes you had to save it. If not, it's going to be lost. And so now you're half a day in, and what happens? The power goes out. Two seconds. And you go, where is it? What happened? You look behind, there's no pay, there's nothing. It's gone. Like unfindable, yes? He lifted up the ink. And what did he do with that blank sheet? He nailed it to the cross so it's no longer movable. That's where it sits on his cross. Friends, don't miss this. How powerful is this when you start thinking about what he is saying about the fullness of Christ and what it will do. It can't be removed. There is no freedom without that forgiveness that comes from Christ and which fills also us. And right as we thought we were done, he just kind of gives it a last twist. The last verse, if you look at that right there, he says that he has disarmed all the authorities, all the rulers, he's disgraced them publicly, and now we are walking with him in a march of triumph. Yes? Victory has come. That's the possibility. Again, it's liquid language. It's not either or. It's more or less question is you want your cup to be running over or you're okay with running on empty that's really the point can we stand friends and if we can spend some time praying some of you would want to come forward to pray some of you need to give your life to christ if you have never done so this is the time dear friends some of you are wondering what church could I possibly find to be part of because God has called me to be part of a church? He calls everybody to do that if they follow him. This church might be it. If that is so, come forward. We'd like to pray with you. Some of you just say, I got to get out of my rut. I'm running on half speed or on empty. I need to be filled. Whatever it is, we'll spend some time. Can you pray on your own? We'll pray with you if you come forward, if you want us to. But let's spend some time doing just that. Turn to God just now.
Some of you may need to ask him to relieve you of pain and grief. Some of you carry addictions that you seem to not be able to shake. Some of you have found habits that you just need to see God break. There are some that carries burdens for others. Bring them to God. If you're lonely, speak to him about that. If you're overwhelmed with work, if the pressures of yesterday pushes on the pressures for today, He's there. And he says, Jump, I can see you. I have you. I hold you. <laughs> Ask for his embracing love and warmth. Father God, we ask that through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you hear every heart cry every desire expressed by a mouth, every thought, every confusion, every desire, would you touch us, Father? Individuals, groups, may it be that we find in this place, in our hearts, in our families, in our homes, the presence of God that is so filling that we can't stop talking about it. Thank you, Lord. We confess to you that we come out, don't always come with prayers like this because we have died in our trespasses. But we want to. We've heard your word. We've seen the text. It was penned through your servant, Paul. To that old church in Colossae and to every church since. Now receive our, great, our, our gratitude and our praise. We love you, Lord. We want to hand, feel and experience your life-changing work in our lives. We pray all of that, of course, as your children, because of your son.